<clears throat> well, once again, happy Mother's Day. I wanted to read something to you that came to me in email form this morning, and it has application. While most things on earth decay with time, and it's not just a mother's efforts here, I know it's others too, but it says a mother's effort continu- contributes to eternity. Um, I knew a pastor once that he, his, one of his great regrets was that his mother never saw him converted because she had prayed for him for so long. And so I told him, I said, well, I said, brother, those prayers weren't forgotten um, because those prayers actually, you know, uh, were, were, were brought to bear upon you and, and you came to know the Lord and not only came to know the Lord, but began to preach the gospel. But um, each time you hold your tongue, rearrange your words, wake in the midnight hours, muster one more ounce of patience, or perform yet another everyday task God sees. And Teresa tells me my job is 24-7. Not my job, her job. It's 24-7. You know, I feel like mine is. But <laughs> her job is 24-7. Um, I did try to help Donnie, you know, when the babies, you know, when the, at night I'd go get the baby and bring the baby to Teresa. You know, I tried to do what I can, but I was usually back out again, you know. Um, I was joking with her yesterday. We we pulled out of the driveway here. We were driving down to the farm, and I said, I'm going to take a nap, and she said, you probably could. It's only like a two-minute ride, you know. <laughs> um, this work that feels immeasurable, something that cannot be quantified by hours or a paycheck. You know, you think about that, the people that work like you do from home. Um, I feel for the ladies that work out, you know, in an office place or somewhere, and then they come home and do all the things they would have been doing all day, um, but uh, can't be quantified by hours or a paycheck, is measured by eternal calculations. Teresa doesn't get to put anything on the tax return as far as an income, you know, goes for being a housewife. Um, But God has seen everything that you all have done. Um, You know, every mess that you've cleaned up, um, that nobody else wanted to clean up. And I'm talking about the really messy messes, you know, that my nurse daughter, when she was going to become a nurse, I told her, I said, well, you can practice right there. And she's like, Mm-mm. And I'm like, it's, I said, it's just your siblings. They throw up. Go ahead. You know, you can do that. And she's like, no, I think she's doing worse now. Um, but, um, you know, it's, it's measured by eternal calculations and God calls it good. Um, you know, it's, the scripture says it's a good thing. You know that a, a man finds uh, a wife, but uh, but what a what a good thing to have a godly mother. Um, Galatians six nine assures us and says, "Let us not grow weary for in, in well doing, in, in due season we're going to reap." Um, and so you think about that mother and the the pastor I was telling you about, and in due season, um, you know he came to know the Lord and began to even preach the gospel. Um, God will use you to. Uh, today, um, use what you use today already is. It's not ordinary. It's not futile. It's not mundane. It may feel that way sometimes. I know one of the chiefest arguments, and I'll see if this resonates with what you, uh, or complaints, I shouldn't say arguments, chiefest complaints. We'll see if this resonates with the other ladies here. What am I going to cook tonight? Does that, does that resonate with y'all? You know, um, you know, what, what, what are we going to cook tonight? Uh, what, what am I going to cook Sunday? You know, 
I hear that. I hear that a lot. Um, and, and I know that would be like for us, um, you know, for Daniel and I, that, well, not maybe for Daniel. Daniel has to cook a lot for himself, probably. No, you just eat out. Okay. <laughs> um, Brother Wiseman has to cook a lot, you know, for himself. You know, I know that. But um, it may seem mundane to some of us, but, you know, it's, it's, it's part of, you know, their job, just like, you know, my job. There's things that really, you know, are difficult and uh, may seem to be mundane to her, you know, but uh, they're difficult for me. But um, he knows the importance and the hardships of this endeavor. He meets you in the midst of it all. This work he's called you to um, actively shapes humanity. I mean, you think about some of the quotes men have made about, you know, behind every great man, you know, there's not just a woman, but there's, there's a wife there, but there was a mother, you know, even before that, um, that's had an impact upon um, him so or her. This work he's called you to actively shapes humanity and eternity, and he will give you everything you need uh, for this uh, magnificent uh, journey. So there's something for you just to kind of acknowledge that we appreciate you and, and what you have done, even if your children aren't here this morning to say that to you. Uh, I'll say it for them. Uh, were you wanting to say something, Brother Wiseman? Yeah. yeah. Never done. Okay. <laughs> Man works from son to son. Mother's work is never done. Um, I knew what you were going to say, even though I don't think I've ever heard that, but I knew it was going to rhyme. So, yeah. <laughs> um, we have these tulips here this morning. I had to ask the lady in the flower shop, I'm like, are these going to make it? Because I picked them up Friday. They're going to make it till, till Sunday. And she's like, mm, tulips are pretty finicky. I was like, okay, what if I refrigerate them? And she says, yeah, they have a chance if you refrigerate them. She said, but I've never heard this before. She said, make sure there's no fruit in the refrigerator with them. Anybody ever heard that about flowers? No idea. Maybe it's just tulips. But the fruit in the refrigerator would have destroyed the tulips, apparently. Um, so thankfully, there was no, I, I looked, I didn't see any fruit. But an interesting fact about tulips is that they continue to grow even after they're cut. I guess for a time, um, you know, you'll see them kind of, wilt over and then they'll stand back up and Donnie mentioned the light and that's the reason um, but we can say the same thing about mothers you know your mother's gone some of your mother's gone there's things you know that I'm sure your mother said to you that still resonate you know today you know get your elbows off the table you know I don't know maybe something like that but um, we could say the same thing about all of ourselves I mean I can't I can't begin to tell you people that have gone on before me, how much things they have said to me and, and done in my life, you know, have made a tremendous impact. And, and not only those that I've known in my lifetime, but I think about those that, you know, people like, you know, Spurgeon or something like that, you know, have, what an impact, you know, even today, um, those things that have been uh, recorded uh, still continue uh, to have. So there's a, a legacy, you know, I guess you could say, uh, to be left. There's an impact for good that we can leave upon the lives of others. And I think mothers, you know, do that. Um, but if we would seek to leave, you know, such a, a legacy uh, before men, then, then um, I mean, what we are talking about in Romans 12, you know, certainly has an impact. Uh, what we looked at last week, and we, I kind of didn't finish that, so we'll continue to look at, you know, this week. And there was a question that Sister Shelby asked me that I hadn't, that you asked me last week that I'll get to today, um, 
somewhat, but if we're going to make inroads into the hearts and lives of people, it will certainly, I mean, you can make a bad impression upon people, absolutely, but if we're going to make the right kind, I should say, of inroads into people's lives, then it will not be by rendering evil for evil or railing for railing. Well, let's, let's stand and we'll read from our text in Romans chapter 12. I know some of you are probably on the edge of your seat waiting for me to ask you uh, to stand so that we can read. But Romans 12, and we'll begin reading in verse number 17. Although, you know, we can, we can look back at the shadow that's cast of verse number 16 about not being wise in your own conceits, not thinking more of yourself than you ought to think. Because that does have application upon what we read in verse number 17. Recompense to no man evil for evil. Provide things honest in the sight of all men if it be possible. We'll emphasize that if it be possible. If it be possible. As much as lieth in you or as much as depends upon you. Live peaceably with all men. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, not you, I will repay, saith the Lord. Therefore, if thine enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him drink. For in so doing, thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. We won't get through all that this morning, but um, we'll try to put a dent in it a little bit if we can. Well, let's go once again to the Lord in prayer. Rick, would you pray for us? Amen. You may be seated. So, you know, as I was saying, the shadow that's cast, you know, by verse number 16 about um, condescension and not being wise in our own conceits, um, that's going to be important if we're not going to return evil for evil or railing for railing, if we're going to give place unto God's wrath. Uh, It's not our wrath, it's God's wrath. Um, you know, we're not, we're not to personally seek, you know, an, a, a vendetta. We're not personally to seek to get even with people. We're actually called not to render those things unto them, but to rather seek to bless and do good. Uh, who, who can do that? 
Who can do that? Who wants to do that? Who desires to do that? I mean, this is what God sets before us. This is what he, what he calls us unto in our, in our dealings with men. Um, you know, who, who desires to do such a thing as that? Well, you know, who, who, can, who can actually accomplish that? Well, I, I think it's only the believer. Only the Christian can. Um, the unbeliever, he's, he's not concerned about, about not rendering evil for evil or railing for railing. Uh, he's not concerned about praying for his enemies or feeding them if they're hungry or, or giving them drink if they're thirsty. Um, you know, these are, these are things that, that the believer understands. Why? Because we were once enemies of God ourselves. Because we were once at enmity with God. Because God once showed mercy unto us that we are called to show, you know, unto others. So this is something that the Christian is called unto. Um, the scripture even says... In, in Matthew 5, it says that you may be called the children of the highest. Children of the highest. That we would, that we would do such a thing. Um, that we would pray for our enemies. That we would not just love one another, but love those who hate us. Who wants to do that? I'm, I'm not saying that it doesn't make our flesh kind of cringe a little bit and say, I don't really want to do that. You know, I, I don't really want to show love unto somebody who's hateful to me. But... This is what the Lord's called us unto, and so it's in our hearts. Um, you know, it, it's, it's, it exists there for us to show compassion. You know, not just compassion that you would see the world showing to itself, to one another, but we're talking about the compassion of Christ that we're called to show unto other men. So we are to seek to be a blessing to them. I drove down the road here the other day, and I don't know what was happening. Something had taken place before we got there. And we passed by a person that we knew that lived on the road, and we waved, and they just kind of went like this. So I was like, okay. Then we get to the next person walking down the road, and there is just this angry scowl of a countenance, and he's got a big stick, and he's chasing his dog. So I don't know what was going on. I waved didn't even make eye contact, you know, didn't even want to acknowledge that we were, I mean, he was standing in front of the car. Um, but so, you know, what do we do in, in those, you know, s- sort of circumstances? I mean, I, I could take it personally, I could get mad, and I could say, well, I'm never going to wave with that person again. You know, that would be the exactly sort of wrong attitude that we are called to exhibit, you know, before men. Maybe I need to make an extra effort. Maybe at this point he's too embarrassed to say anything because of whatever was going on and his anger got the best of him. We don't know all the details and the circumstances behind why somebody... You think about when somebody does lash out at you. you What's happened in their day that's led them to that place where they've gotten to a point where they would respond in such a way to you when you just said, Good morning. Uh, because I've walked in the office before. I don't know if y'all have had this experience. I've walked in the office, you know, and not our office now, the office, insurance office that I used to work at. Say good morning. And mom already knows. There was one lady there. She would just be like, what's good about it? I'm like, wow. <laughs> yeah. So not sure where that person is, you know, uh, in their life other than they need, you know, some some uh, understanding. Um, they need some compassion more than likely. Um, they need to know the love of Christ. They need to know the gospel. Um, so it, it's it, not, that a, not that a Christian couldn't, we could, could, could you ever 
be put in a position as a Christian and there be so much going on in your life and, and, and things are pressing down to such a degree that you could not respond that way. Is anybody willing to say that there's no possible way that I could respond in a negative way to somebody who says good morning to me? No. We, we all know, apart from the grace of God, I'm talking about that lady, Sister Shelby, because you kind of, I'm not sure you're with me, but the lady, that, the lady that said to me what's good about it when I said good morning, that we couldn't respond in that way. Um, you know, I, I think we all could be put in circumstances, situations, things, the right buttons pushed, you know, in our lives in that day, that month, that week, whatever, that we could find ourselves, maybe not saying the exact same thing and maybe not with the same force, but, you know, reacting, responding in a similar fashion. I think we all um, understand ourselves enough to know that that could happen because I know if you're like me, I've said before to myself, you know what? I think I've got my, you know, this, this anger thing under control. I, I, I just don't get upset, you know, about things like I used to. And then the Lord put me in the right situation. And I see, I don't have anything under control. You know, I still get angry just like I did before, you know, um, and it, and it makes it worse now you know, as I've, that I've grown as a, as a believer, it, it may not be the same level of intensity of anger, but it bothers me more now than it did, you know, back then. Um, you know, sin, sin does, it, it's that way with us as believers, isn't it? Sin troubles us even more. Um, the, the more we walk with the Lord, the more that we see of Christ, the more that we see, you know, of God, um, the more sin, you know, will trouble us and, and, and vex our spirits, you know, whenever we uh, commit those things. So, <clears throat> you know, there are ordained interactions, I mean, think about that. The interactions that you have with people, there are ordained interactions that God has, has set in motions, you know, or in motion. You, you think about, sister, you working, you know, where you work at Lowe's right now. I mean, if you, I could have asked you 10 years ago, you think you'd be working at Lowe's? And you probably would have said, no. Um, um, you know, um, Brother Steve, you know, you, with, with, with your stroke, you know, before that, I mean, you, you, you didn't see that necessarily coming, um, you know, Cheryl, with, your, with, with, with you having to have a walker now. I mean, I look back at pictures of when we were married and we were there at the, the, the clubhouse and having, you know, uh, all that and, and, and seeing you and mom much younger, you know, all the stuff y'all were doing, Aunt Nita too, you know, all, doing this, everything y'all did. Thank you for that, by the way. But I don't know, if, I'm sure I thanked you then, but I thank you again now. Um, it's almost to be 33 years this year, so so it's it's uh, it's been been a while ago. Y'all were y'all were younger, 33 years ago, right? Yeah. Um, but there are interactions that the Lord has ordained. I haven't always known Cheryl. I haven't always known Teresa. I haven't always known everybody here, really. I mean, except my parents. I mean, I've always known them. But outside of that, um, you know, I haven't always known all of you. So there's interactions that that God has ordained that we're going to have with people. There's good works, the Scripture says, that the Lord's ordained that we should walk in. There's conversations that we're going to have with people that, that God's put us in their lives, and we're called to be what? Light. We're called to be salt. We're called to be the fragrance and the aroma of Christ. Uh, to some, that's not going to smell good. Um, and there, there are some candles that were floating around here that Lydia brought today, and I'm sure they all have very pleasing fragrances. I didn't really appreciate the one that Ryan requested that smelled like beef jerky. It didn't really smell that good, you know, to me. It smells great to him, but it didn't really smell that great to me. But, you know, it, that's what I'm saying. You know, the beef jerky candle, he loves it, you know. 
Me, I probably wouldn't have it. You know, but Christ to some people is going to be a fragrance that is beautiful like these flowers that are here before us. Um, I haven't smelled them, but I guess they have a smell. I guess tulips have a smell. I know roses have a smell. I don't even know. Maybe a tulip doesn't have a smell. It looks like it should have a smell. But there's a fragrance in the lives of others. We as Christians, there's a fragrance that we have in one another's lives uh, that's pleasing, that's pleasant. Um, In the lives of, of those who are outside of Christ, it's not so pleasing. Um, you know, they, they, it, it reminds them, you know, of, of who you are, who God is. It reminds them, you know, maybe even of a judgment that's coming. I mean, that's this vengeance that we're talking about. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. I will, you know, repay. So it's not easy. It is hard work. I mean, you think about not rendering evil for evil, not rendering railing for railing, not speaking back getting even, that's not easy work. That's hard work. That's hard work, but it's work the Lord's called us to do. It's going to take prayer on our behalf to get our hearts right, you know, to be able to respond rightly, you know, to others. Uh, honestly, like I said before, you know, if we, if we begin to think about could we be put in a position to respond the way that person responded, it's a speck and beam, you know, sort of thing. I mean, here I am maybe looking at that speck, you know, in their lives and complaining, you know, and yet I've got the same problem, you know, in, in mine. So think, too, how long-suffering and merciful God has been unto us and how that we ought to understand and extend, you know, that unto other people. You've heard it's been said, thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. But I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them that despitefully use you and persecute you, that you may be the children of your Father which is in heaven. For he maketh his Son to rise on the evil and on the good, and sendeth rain on the just and the unjust. God doesn't make his Son just, wouldn't that be something, that his Son just would shine upon the just? And his rain would just fall upon the just and not upon the unjust. Um, But God sends those things upon the just and the unjust, on those who acknowledge him and worship him and those who, you know, do not. Uh, He sends it on, you know, both. And here we are called not just to love one another as believers, but we're called to love even, you know, our enemies. You think about the rain and the sun falling upon the just and the unjust in that uh, sort of a category. You know, we can kind of see something about that. So as much as as, is possible, now that's the thing that I want to emphasize again today that I kind of ended with last week. It is as much as is possible. Is it going to always be possible? It's not going to always be possible. One thing we said last week is we can't compromise the truth. That's a place that it's not possible. If it comes down to that, I can't be at peace with somebody over them wanting me to compromise the truth because the truth can't be watered down or compromised to appease you know, them, this is what God's word says. This is what the truth is. This, this is where I have to stand. I can't stand, you know, anywhere else. And if that offends, then it has to offend. I don't want to offend. I want to be peaceable. Uh, I want to maintain a, a relationship. I want to maintain a witness. Uh, can we do something to ruin our witness to people that they would never want to hear from us again sure you know we could we don't we don't want to do anything in that sense to offend um, i don't want my presentation of the gospel to offend have you ever heard someone's presentation of the gospel that really was offensive um, i don't know if you have i have 
Um, I've seen some people on the street corners, you know, street preaching, so to speak, and their presentation of the gospel, you know, was really offensive. And it wasn't just offensive because it was the truth. It was offensive because of their demeanor. It was offensive because of their approach. Um, We are called to speak the truth in what? Love. And we're called to speak the truth in love. So, you know, we need to be compassionate with people. We can't compromise the truth. But we need to speak the truth in love and be at peace. Be if it, as, as much as it, as it, I don't want my person to offend. If the gospel offends, then the gospel must offend. But I don't want my person to offend in the way that I present the gospel. So <clears throat> as much as is possible on our part, um, you know, the thing about it even being possible, it, the only way it can be possible for us to want peace to be possible is because that has been wrought within us. That has been woven within the very fabric of who we are and what God has done within us, uh, being, you know, born again. Um, God's begun a change. Have we, have we arrived? We haven't arrived. You know, I, I, haven't, I haven't fully matured, I could say, in one sense. I haven't fully grown, you know, in Christ. Uh, there's, there's still growing for me to do. So I haven't arrived in that sense. And, and so God has, God has begun this change, you know, within me, you know, at conversion. Um, he's, you know, ridding me of jealousy, ridding me, you know, of anger, ridding me of pride. Boy, I see that one a lot, don't you? Do you see that in your life a lot, pride? How dare they say that to me? Who do they think they are? You know, there's, that's pride. Um, so... Selflessness, humility, love, patience, mercy, those things the Lord's working, you know, in us. Uh, The more we grow in these godly virtues, the more we see God, the more we see God in our lives. Uh, How that he has shown mercy, he has shown kindness, you know, unto me. Uh, In exchange, you know, for my disregard, there was a time that I disregarded his son, I disregarded his reign, uh, that he would send upon me as unjust, I could say. So the possibility of peace was on his part. God made arrangements whereby there could be peace between he and I by sending forth his only begotten son. So the possibility of peace is, is, is because of God. The possibility of peace in that regard and the possibility of peace with me being at peace with others, uh, that's because of what God's done within me. Had he not arrested me in my sinful tracks? Had he not convicted me of sin by his spirit? Had he not shed his love abroad in my heart? Possibility of peace with other men wouldn't be a reality. I'd be walking around with a scowl on my face uh, like the man with the stick, you know, and I'd be ready to whack anybody with it that came, you know, within reach uh, and be glad to do so and look forward to doing so and wanting opportunities to be able to do so. You know, some people live like that. Uh, that, w- that could be us. That could be us, apart from the grace of God, you know, in our lives, uh, wanting to get even, um, you know, wanting to get something over on somebody else before they got something over on us, you know, do to them before they do to us, you know. Um, walk around with such a, a bravado <clears throat> and such a presence, you know, that, that everybody would be intimidated. Nobody would want to approach me to be able to do anything to me. You know, there would just be that intimidation that was there before the conversation ever took place. Don't you mess with me. You know, I'll hurt you, you know, kind of a thing. But that's, that's the world. That's the way the world thinks. That's the way the world responds, the way the world acts. I, I, it's in varying degrees. You don't, you don't meet that guy every day. I'm not saying that. Um, it's in varying degrees, but it's there nonetheless. I mean, you think about um, 
the children of the of the world, the children of the devil. I mean, if if we're being taught that we shouldn't return railing for railing, if we're being taught that we shouldn't return evil for evil, what is he working in them? Exactly this thing. Evil. Evil for evil, railing for railing, and evil on the first hand. You know, it's not just in return. It's, it's dishing it out to begin with. So we have a witness. We have a testimony. We have an opportunity. We have these people. We have these places. We have families that we were born into, countries that we were born into, places that we work. And these are the people that the Lord's given us. And I know there's interaction with people outside of that that, that we may never meet again. Um, but we have these people that we meet along the way uh, that God has, has called us. Uh, whenever they do these things to respond in counter fashion, uh, not in same fashion, but to respond in opposite fashion, that we seek to bless them. Again, I ask you, who wants to do that? Who wants to do that? Um, you know, I, I, I assure you um, that I have met officers in my life that they sought to uphold the law, you know, but but at the same time, they weren't going about it, you know, in a way that, that, that was mean-spirited and that was ugly. You know, they were trying to help me, you know. Um, I'm not saying I've been in a lot of trouble. Donnie and I both have been in some trouble, you know, but I... <laughs> we, we, we have been in some trouble before, but, but I've, had, I've, I've had officers that... You know, when I've done things that have that have, have been just like, boy, you've stepped in it now. You know, and I've had others that, son, let me just explain to you why. You know, you can't you can't do this. Um, I'm I'm trying to help you here, uh, if you'll listen. Um, so you know, there's authority you know there that God's put upon the earth to 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 work in these circumstances and situations. You know, but but at the same time, you know, I've I've met some I've met some men that that have been a help, uh, that have been in places of authority like that. Um, or even, even, you know, as far as I knew, they were, they were not converted men, you know, but uh, maybe it was their mother, you know, that taught them <laughs> to be nice. I don't know. Um, but we, we have these interactions and in people that were called to be a light, to be salt, to be the fragrance of Christ, you know, you, you may be the only fragrance of Christ that they'll ever know. I, I don't know. Um, we, just don't, we don't know. We don't know what's going on in their lives when we meet them sometimes. But, but we want to meet them, you know, where God's met us, you know, if we can, and show them the things that God's shown unto us, show them the, the mercy and grace that God's shown unto us um, ourselves. So, you know, you think about this day, Mother's Day. Um, it ought to be a happy day. There's reasons, though, that it might not be happy. You know, maybe you didn't have a good relationship, you know, with your mother. Um, you think about it from the, the standpoint of the gospel, from what, what, what Scripture says unto us in places like Matthew 10, you know, when the Lord says in verse 34, Think not that I am come to, come to send peace on earth. I, am come, I came not to send peace, but a sword. I mean, we're talking about peace, right? And here the Lord's saying this. Well, what is he talking about? Well, what do you make that statement? Well, verse 35, he goes on to say, For I am come to set a man at variance against his father, and the daughter against her mother, and the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's foes shall be 
they of his own household. Why? Well, that comes back to this part about if it's possible, right? And not being able to compromise the gospel, not being able to compromise the truth. Um, so if it's possible. Well, there's, there's some relationships, dear as those are, close as those are, that there's been a sword and a separation, a division that's happened there, you know, because you've got this child that's a believer and a parent that's not, or a parent that's a believer and a child that's not. And the, 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 the believer in those situations is like, you're going to always be my child, but that child, because they're, 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 they're not wanting to be at peace, they just totally disown and don't want to have anything to do with. Um, you know, so there's, there's, a, there's a division that's caused there by the gospel, if it's possible. In that situation, it may not be possible. It may not be possible for there to be uh, peace. So the gospel of Christ, will bring, it'll bring peace or it may divide. You know, we see that here. You know, the degree of separation may be different. It may be slight and that they may tolerate, you know, the light and the truth within us to a degree, or that separation could be a great void, a great chasm. Um, you know, so the separation, the degree of separation may vary, but it's, it's there. Um, if you don't love the world as they do, there's going to be some friction, you know, there. Uh, there's going to be some friction that exists, and it may be from tolerance to hostility, but our hope is that God would grant them a hearing here. Our hope is that God would show you know, them mercy and give unto them light. Uh, they might be able to see, open their hearts even, that they might desire uh, repentance and salvation. I mean, have you ever thought about how much sweeter it would be some of the people that you work with, some of the people in your family? How much sweeter it would be if, if you were able to walk together in the things of the Lord and they just, they refuse those things, don't have anything to do with them. Um, you know, how much, how much better would it be if two could walk together and be, you know, agreed having to work together maybe so closely in the office place every day. Uh, so the injunction is, as much as it depends upon you, be at peace, if it be possible. Um, as we said last week, truth can't be compromised. Um, you know, here with this, these relations that we're talking about, sometimes you know, that's not going to be a possibility, but it's not because it's of our part. It's because of you know, their part. But here's the question that was asked last week that I kind of wanted to get to today, uh, if we can. But it was, you, know, you think about some of these things, and not rendering evil for evil, or railing for railing, uh, about loving our enemies, giving them drink if they're thirsty, feeding them if they're hungry, if, if, they're, if they're without clothing, you know, you know whatever. But, but what about, what about self-defense? You know, am, I, am I just to allow somebody to even take my life, you know? Uh, is that the degree which the Lord's calling us unto here? There are those who think that. Um, I don't necessarily think that's, that's the case. Um, and I think we have some scripture, you know, for that. But what we're talking about here in, in these things that we've been discussing is really personal vindication in a situation that's not life-threatening, that somebody is not seeking to take our lives. We know, we see how we are to respond in that situation. Um, but, you know, whereas the world would just go scorched earth, no holes barred, you know, and respond and like kind or even, you know, worse. <clears throat> but what the Word of God calls us to is meekness, love, compassion, compassion even on the irrational. 
on those because really where they are is they oppose themselves and they're at enmity you know with god we're called to pray for those sort of people speak the truth in love to them warn them of the wrath to come give them the gospel um if we physically could do things for them you know do that uh, do good overcome evil you know with good if you if you can be at peace but sometimes it's not going to be possible i mean no man lives or dies unto himself we're not an island we affect other people you know we realize that uh, and the effect we desire to have upon them again is for uh, the gospel people are going to judge the gospel by what they see in us right yeah people are going to judge the gospel by what they see in us um, you know we're we're kind of an open book in a, in a sense and they're reading it and they're 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 trying to see is there something you know to this is this real or can they find an excuse and say you know well i saw that person do that there's nothing to you know that i can just excuse that i can ignore it i don't have to have anything to do with it it's not real um but it will be judged by what they hear and see in us so let us not give cause for offense let us not be the reason for there not being peace and let us seek to maintain that peace as much as possible but again this question you know of self-defense peace may not be possible Uh, there's three bricks that got replaced out here the little planner you know where the sign is out here in front of the church i had our brick mason come by and after we i i just stood there i didn't really do anything but i stood there and kind of kept him company you know while he was doing it and as we walked back to his truck you know there's a pistol you know right there in the in the door um you know where he grew up he grew up in houston you know what part of houston he grew up in fifth ward yeah that's where he grew up um, he still goes down there from time to time. I can understand the pistol. <laughs> um, but um, it may not be possible. There, there may be someone um, who's not just railing for railing. You know, they're actually seeking to take um, your life. I mean, we're, we're not called to be the aggressor. I'm not walking around with my concealed handgun license, you know, waiting for somebody to, to uh, reach for their gun so I can draw first and, you know like the wild west sort of thing um we're not the aggressor here but if it came to the point where somebody tried to take our life do we have the right to defend our lives yes i believe we do i believe we do and we can take that further can't we i mean we've got men in the in, in our mix here have been in the military and again and i know our country's had we've, we've, we've kind of taken you know this role on for most most of our existence where we've gone out and really defended, you know, we've not gone out to try to take over like Russia's trying to take Ukraine, you know, but we've gone out and defended those, you know, who were, who were defenseless, you know, uh, there was a wrong there, and, and, you know, so here we were, you know, we had felt an obligation, uh, you know, to, to go and, 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 and try to be a peacekeeper, even if it came to, you know, uh, taking up arms, you know, to, to do so, but, but um, we're not the aggressor here, it's not like we're trying to take over the world, we're not Napoleon, you know, trying to, to conquer, you know, the known world, you know. <laughs> you know, we're not going you know, to disregard anything and everybody. You know, we're just going to try to conquer. You know, that's, that's, you know, we're not the aggressor here in this situation. We're talking about, you know, self-defense still, you know, here in, in, in this regard. But as far as sheep go, when you think about sheep, they're, most, they're, they're, they're probably one of the least aggressive animals on the planet. Um, now, some of them have horns, you know, I guess that they might 
try to, you know, get you with those. But, but uh, for the most part, sheep are pretty, pretty uh, mild. And, and that's to be us. I mean, you think that's, when it, when it comes to animals in scripture, I mean, that's more often than not, it's a sheep, you know, that we're, that we're compared to. Um, so we're called to peace, but sometimes peace is not attainable. Uh, I, I, I know of a pastor, he and his wife were home. A man came to their home with a knife trying to take one of their children. And so he grabbed the nearest thing that there was, and it was a baseball bat. And uh, it didn't come to blows, but he, was, he stood there in the gap, you know, between that man, you know, and his family. And that's, I think that's right to do. I think that we ought to do that. Um, again, I, there's, there's a division here. There's, there's a, a degree of separation between what we've been talking about in regards to somebody saying something to us and us returning, you know, slander, you know, or whatever towards them, evil for evil, and somebody that's trying to take our life. You know, there's, there's a difference, you know, there. Uh, again, we are not the uh, aggressor. That man said this. He said, he said I, I would have done whatever I needed to do to protect my children as a father. He said, uh, and I think rightly so, that if someone comes into my life and they mistreat me, I'm not necessarily going to attack them. I mean, we're talking about mistreatment. He said, I may turn the other cheek and let them mistreat me again. Um, and humbly accept that as something that the Lord is allowing for the moment. But if somebody shows up at my house with a gun and wants to kidnap my children, you know, that takes on a completely different character. Um, so thankfully, he wasn't called to act in that situation. The man must have, you know, been understood, okay, this is not a situation that I want to take on. I've got a knife. He's got a, you know, 36-inch bat, uh, you know, so... <laughs> Um, you know, I think I'm going to back, back away from this situation. And sometimes that may even be an option that, that we, we can remove ourselves, you know, from a situation like that. But, but um, if it comes down to it and we need to defend ourselves, I think that we have, you know, the, the, the right to do that. Um, we ought to pray that it doesn't come to that. I don't want to be in that situation. I don't know if you do. Um, you know, if, if we do want to be in that situation, that our heart's not really in the right place, I don't think. Um, I, I don't want to ever be in that situation if I don't have to be, but, but if I did have to be, because I don't want to take another person's life, you know, if I don't have to, uh, that, that would be hard. I've never had to do that. Uh, somebody here may have had to do that before. I don't know. Uh, but that would be a hard thing to live with, wouldn't it? To have taken another person's life. Um, you know, sometimes people want to think about this in this way. Well, doesn't the 10 commandments say thou shalt not kill? And there are a lot of us that are going to say, that's not what that's exactly saying. It's, that's not talking about self-defense here because that word kill there, you know, has to do with murder. I mean, what are we talking about here? We're talking about Cain and Abel, you know, sort of grounds. You know, where Cain, I, I imagine that Cain probably came up behind Abel, you know, and, and, and struck him. Um, otherwise, Abel probably would have defended himself. Uh, otherwise, if Adam had been there, Adam probably would have defended, you know, his son. But, um, you know, thou shalt not kill, that's, that's really you know, kind of a, a premeditated murder sort of assassination kind of a thing. You know, you think about it in, in that way. But it's not referring to self-defense or not even capital punishment. Hasn't God given authority to the government to bear the sword? And that, so that it doesn't bear the sword in vain. Um, it may not be what we would like it to be. I mean, there's things that happen that that um, seem to be unjust in that regard. But or, or even a just war, you know. We, think, we talk about just wars where we're defending ourselves. We're not the aggressor again here. But 
thou shalt not kill has to do with that aggressive hatred of men that is so great that they would take another person's life. Uh, Again, like Cain and Abel. But here, places like this, Exodus 22.2. If a thief be found breaking up and be smitten that he die, there shall be no blood shed for him. Again, Exodus 22.2. Why is there no guilt on the person that shed the thief's blood? Well, Obviously, I believe it's because it was self-defense uh, is what, you know, happened in, 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 that, in that circumstance. But it must have been a case, you know, of self-defense. It wasn't premeditated. The guy wasn't expecting a thief, you know, in his house. He wasn't looking for the thief. You know, they, they found the thief, and the thief lost his life, uh, probably because the thief, you know, pulled some sort of a, a weapon, you know, to kill the owner of the home so that he could steal what he wanted to steal. You know, but here we're talking about being able to defend, you know, a person uh, against a person who would want to take, you know, your life. So outside of that, in the other realm of what we've been talking about, we're called, you know, to peace. Uh, It may not be possible, but we're called to peace on our part. You think about the issue. Paul had some issue with uh, Alexander the coppersmith. You remember that in, in, uh, what is that, 2 Timothy 4, I think. Um, There was some kind of issue there with him. And he tells Timothy, that man did me much evil. And he says about that man, he says, the Lord reward him according to his work. So as we step out of that self-defense realm and category and back over to what we've been talking about, as we step back over into that realm, then in those situations, we commit that situation to the Lord. Instead of returning evil for evil, railing for railing, we commit that situation you know, to the Lord. And here's what, that's what Paul's doing. He's saying, the Lord repay him. The Lord repay him. Consider David being chased all about the wilderness by Saul. Did David have an opportunity to kill Saul? Yeah. Saul wanted to kill David, didn't he? And David had an opportunity to kill Saul, but he didn't. He didn't do it. Um, and he says unto Saul at one point in 1 Samuel twenty four twelve, he says, The Lord judge between me and thee, and the Lord avenge me of thee, but my hand shall not be upon thee. You know, David kept, you know, one step, one foot, you know, ahead of of Saul. God kept him, you know, in that place where he stayed ahead of him and was warned at times when he was going to be, you know, put in a position where Saul could possibly, you know, entrap him. Um, And then at one point, can you imagine being in that cave? And here's a man who sought your life. I mean, he's, he's rigorously sought after you, wanting to kill you openly, uh, declaring it. And then you're in a cave that he comes in by himself. No guards with him. He comes in by himself to take a nap. And you're within striking distance. But David didn't feel like his life was threatened at that particular time uh, because of however that circumstance played out. Um, You know, he had himself and his men, you know, within that cave. Um, And Saul didn't know he was there. And he, he, he later uses that, doesn't he, you know, as an opportunity to show, I could have killed you, but I did not. And Saul's remorseful for a moment, you know, saying, you know, you've, you're more righteous, you know, than I, you know, that you did not take my life and you could have. Um, or think about in the book of uh, Jude, Michael the archangel, interesting passage of scripture where Michael the archangel is disputing with Satan about the body of Moses. That's just kind of like, really? That happens? You know, that's, you know, 
looking at that is kind of interesting, but even Michael the archangel does not bring uh, a railing accusation, Jude says, against the devil, but he says what? The Lord rebuke you. The Lord rebuke you. So, you know, in that evil, evil, railing, railing, you know, that the Lord, you know, uh, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord, I will repay. We, we commit the situation to the Lord and, and uh, you know, the Lord rebuke you. Um, the Lord's going to, the Lord's going to handle, you know, this in a greater way than I possibly ever could. Um, but we do what we can, but in the end, this is where we, um, you know, we, we leave some, some, some we can't be at peace with, uh, but it's, if it's possible with us, we, we seek to be, but, but this, this, the Lord rebuke you, I think, and I think Donnie had asked me this question at one time. Um, I think this is kind of where we are right now, what we're talking about. I think it's where it kind of leaves us with the, with what we might term as the vindictive Psalms. You know, we see some of those places, you know, the vindictive Psalms. Um, but I don't think the psalm is just writing from a personal vindictive standpoint. I think he's writing from this standpoint, like, you know, Paul saying, the Lord rebuke you to Alexander the coppersmith, you know, that, that Michael the archangel saying, the Lord rebuke you, you know, to Satan, that David saying to Saul, the Lord rebuke you, um, because there is a glory of God that, that, that we are concerned for. Um, and so we see God, you know, in his glory, and, and, and we see men and their wickedness, and we see the judgment, you know, that is due for those actions, and it's not a personal vindication, and we're not vindictive of ourselves, the psalmist, when he's saying those things. Um, I think what he's saying is the honor and glory of God uh, has been disregarded and trampled upon. Uh, it's kind of like the zeal of the Lord that we see in the temple, and, and he, he goes in and he overthrows all the money changers' tables, and he runs them out of the temple. There's a zeal, you know, and he says that. He said, the zeal of the, uh, of, of the Lord's eaten me up, you know. So I think the, that in the psalmist, I think that's kind of what we can see there is the zeal for the glory of God, and that's the standpoint that they're writing from, and it's not necessarily from a, from a personal, you know, standpoint. It's really from the standpoint of the glory of the Lord um, and not personal vengeance. It's the glory of God that they're concerned with. Um, you know, the potsherds of the earth are always going to strive with the potsherds of the earth. Men are always going to strive with men. One day, God's going to take this whole thing up. Not that he hasn't taken it up now. Not that he doesn't have, you know, authority and, and government and, and, you know, police and armies and those types of things, you know, in place that, that, that he does some of those things with. But, but um, you know, one day men aren't going to struggle with men. They're not going to contend with men anymore. One day men are going to stand before God and give an account of all they've done. And God says, you know, vengeance on my part is mine in, in, in whatever way, if it's in this life or it's in that to come, um, you know, that belongs to me. Um, and if we step into that realm, we've taken something that belongs unto God. We've not given place to God's wrath. Um, we've not done what God's called us to do in, in, that, in that regard. The final retribution for all eternity in hell will be brought upon, you know, some men. God will bring that upon them who have refused to repent and believe upon Christ. Uh, you know, kind of continuing with the thought of Abel, Scripture says that the blood, think about this. You think about vengeance is mine, saith the Lord, I will repay. Think about the blood of Abel. What does the Bible say about the blood of Abel? It was crying out to God from the ground. You think about the long-suffering and mercy of God in regards to some of these things. I mean, the blood of Abel was crying out vengeance, was crying out justice um, was crying out to God from 
<clears throat> from the ground. And by the same token, the blood of Christ cries out for us, right? We, we think about some of the hymns that we sing, forgive him, oh, forgive, they cry, no, let that ransom sinner, you know, die. His blood avails, you know, for us in that regard. But as far as Abel's blood goes, it was crying out for, for vengeance. And God's judgment, our judgment isn't this way, but God's judgment, holy, just, complete, um, you know, ours could never be that way. We don't understand and know all things. His wrath is righteous. It's judici- judicious. It's fitting the crime. Um, it's, it's, it's not like ours. Ours would be inadequate. Ours would be, uh, our wrath would be passionate, and, and, and we would lose self-control, you know, in that regard probably. But, but um, God says, vengeance is mine. I will repay so we're not called individually or personally to repay evil for evil. That realm belongs to God. Um, but again, in that area, sister, that you were asking about last week, you know, if it came to it, you know, do we have the right to defend ourselves if someone's trying to take our lives? Yes, yes. Um, but we're not the aggressor in either of those categories. So I'll end this morning, you know, with um, a statement that I read said, we must have a zeal for the name of God. I think that's the psalmist and, and, and what we might would term, I don't, you know, vindictive psalms, that's the psalmist. A zeal for the name of God. Uh, a zeal for the righteous judgment of God. Uh, if we didn't have that, I think our, our, our understanding would be defective. Um, you know, God is going to set all things right. Um, that's for sure. But um, we should never feel a desire for personal vengeance um, there will come a day when God will vindicate all himself. All scoffers and the sinners uh, of today of all ages will receive their just recompense. Um, you know, that's, that's something that will certainly take place, but it's not personal vindication on our part. That's, that's God's business. Um, but we, we don't see here, I don't think that Paul's teaching some kind of flabby passivity or sentimentality, uh, but it's, it's, it illustrates the great principle i think of the difference between personal vengeance and the vengeance of god um you know we're not to repay those slights um if it's in defense of our life fine but as far as everything being set right in the end and i think that's the perspective that the psalmists are speaking of god is going to vindicate himself god's justice is going to to fall upon men god is going to set all things right Uh, there will come a day that god will 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 right every wrong, so to speak. Um, you know, the world's kind of upside down. That was the accusation that was brought against the disciples. You know, these men are turning the world upside down. They were really trying to right the side, right side up. Uh, the world's upside down, but God's going to set it all, you know, right. Um, in that day, when when um, you know He will He will trouble those, you know, in a sense that have troubled, you know, us. <clears throat> and it's not a it's not a pleasant um, sort of a of a picture that we have in flaming fire taking vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of His power. So, you know that's that's uh, pretty awesome, you know, to think about that that taking place, great and terrible day uh, of the Lord that the Scripture speaks of. So. Any any other thoughts or, or or questions or comments on on that? Um, you know, I, I know there's probably a lot more that could be said, but it's already you know twelve thirty.
So you don't want to be here any longer then, right? You're done. <laughs> Your seat has endured all that it can. Um, okay. Because I don't, I don't think that, that there's not other things that could be said, but, but uh, maybe we'll, we'll carry some of that over into next week. I don't know. But, but um, again, it's not an easy thing for us to do. Is it, is it, is it easy to turn the other cheek? Um, you know, is it easy to pray for somebody who's wronged you? Uh, is it easy to feed and, and give drink unto those who are your enemy? Um, but by so doing, I mean, you've read some of those accounts, haven't you, before where people have been taken as prisoners? And because of their conduct before those men who, who were their captors, because of their conduct, some of those men were actually converted uh, that, 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 that were the ones that were in charge of keeping them. Um, so, you know, the Lord chose to, to, to is, 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 is mistreatment on your part. I mean, you think about all the things that Paul went through you know, the shipwrecks and the stonings and things that he went, imprisonments and things that is, is a little bit of mistreatment on your part worth the Philippian jailer, you know, instead of thrusting himself through with a sword because he thought everybody had escaped being brought into the household of God and the gospel being, you know, being seen, you know, and heard by him. Um, you know, how about some of those, how about some of those, uh, those Roman centurions that were chained to Paul uh, that had, I mean, think about all that they heard. I mean, they had to be there. They had to keep him. He was under house arrest, but they had to be there. And those that came and Paul, you know, spoke about the things of God to, and those that came and Paul preached the gospel unto, and the letters that Paul would write, and they were there, you know, during their, their, their shift, so to speak. Um, you know, they were there hearing those things. Um, was Paul, you know, chained? Was Paul mistreated? Yes. And was, it, was it wrong that he should have been chained? Yes. You know, but the gospel wasn't chained. And it was going forth even into Caesar's household. You know, it was going into Caesar's own household among his servants. So, you know, we don't know what the Lord may be doing. But there, there are those that will have inroads in their lives. There are those that were called to be light and salt and the fragrance of Christ unto. Um, and it may mean that, that we have to endure. I mean, you think about in this country, what do we really endure? I mean, compared to other countries. I mean, it's light. I mean, we truly can say it's light affliction. I mean, in the grand scheme of things, even those who are imprisoned and put to death, it's momentary light affliction according to what Scripture tells us. Um, but what we endure here as far as persecution, it's, it's, it's light compared to other countries. Um, so it shouldn't be as hard, <clears throat> you know, for us to turn the other cheek <clears throat> as it is for them. No. Well, Lord, give us grace to help us to be able to do so because, like I said, it's not an easy thing to do. All right. Well... Let's, let's stand and we'll go to the Lord once again in prayer and uh, return thanks for the meal that's been prepared and provided. Pray the Lord bless the fellowship that we'd have. Um, you know, there may come a day when we'll think about days like these and long for them. I don't know. I, I, I can give you, I, I, I have that experience now, you know, with some of the conferences that we've gone to for years and years and years and they're not... They're not anymore. And we haven't been able to find anything, you know, necessarily like it. 
And so we long for those days when they had that rich fellowship with, with saints from you know, all over the country. And it was a small enough group of people that we knew most everyone. And so you'd look forward to those three times a year that you'd be able to gather together and be with each other. Um, and we don't have that you know, now. So I, I know what that is like. Um, but <clears throat> we may long for a day like this one day. We don't, we don't know what the Lord may call us to. But we know he'll be faithful. He'll grant us grace. He'll strengthen us. He'll enable us to be able to stand in whatever evil day that we may find ourselves in. So, amen. All right. Well, let's, let's go to the Lord of Prayer again. Brother Donnie, would you pray for us? Return thanks for the meal.